Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason. And with his mutuals, Rich. Hello, Rich. What is going on? Not a whole lot. You know, it's um, exciting time in the NBA. We have a brand new entrant into the NBA Finals. A a new franchise, a new city, a new country making its first appearance in the NBA Finals. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's a big reason why we're doing this episode here about the the history of the Toronto Raptors. And if I remember correctly, we haven't done like an episode similar to this where we've just kind of talked about one franchise or whatever. Uh, a because most franchises, the show would be very long because we'd have to be talking about them for for many many year, uh, hours. But uh, this franchise, of course, only began in 1995. But also because, as you said, it's the first time that the Toronto Raptors have made it to the NBA Finals. It's the first time that the NBA Finals. We had a game played in Canada. It played outside of the United States, so we thought it was worth it uh, to kind of chat on uh, on them a little bit. How they got here, a little bit of their their history, because it's a fun history as well. It's a short, but but a very uh, newsworthy history of the Toronto Raptors. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it, it's cool that they are a franchise that in the last you know five six years has really become. Like, you know, like respected, like people want to go to Toronto you, you, in its very early times. There were lots of people who wanted to force their way out or didn't want to want to play in Canada or that, that you know, had kind of had the, you know, uh, just uh, being a franchise people didn't want to play for. But that's not really the case anymore. I mean, you know, they, they've, um, you know, really had just kind of moderate success up until this season, but um, obviously making the finals for the first time. But, uh, you know, they still um, have become a team that's, you know, I think among the more respected organizations out there. And it's a cool city and all that good stuff. So it's nice for them to have you know, to turn the tide to you know, join the club of, uh, you know, of, of good franchises. Yeah, it's it's definitely they're, they're they're Yeah, you said, you know, good franchise, cool franchise. They're, they're a franchise that is like, yeah, one of the more respected ones in the NBA as, as of right now, which is rare for like teams that come up as expansion teams. And we look at, you know, their obviously their fellow team, the Grizzlies is, you know, on their second city, uh, even the teams before them, you know, a couple years, you know, the, the Hornets, the Heat, I guess, for a little while kind of had that status there. The Hornets, you know, for a very brief period had that. But like, you know, the Timberwolves are just kind of the Timberwolves or whatever. The Orlando Magic are just, I guess, had their little bouts of being cool. But but you're right. There's a prolong now of like five, six years where Toronto has been not only, you, you know, a franchise that's been good and, and, and competitive and made it to the playoffs and and had some real chances to go far in the playoffs. We'll talk about that. That always didn't always quite work out that way. But uh, they, but they do feel kind of cool. They, the inclusion of, of, of Drake in there, their marketing has been pretty awesome. Like it's, it's, it's fun to watch games in Toronto. And and it feels like a really uh, a franchise with the arrow pointed up right now for sure. So it's it, it's definitely fun to kind of check in on them uh, right now and kind of look at uh, the history of them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this uh, before we get into th- that, I wanted to uh, share the teams that have never made an NBA or ABA Finals appearance in their current cities. Actually, a, a relatively small list in Toronto, of course, not no longer on this list, having uh, been broken off that, but. Um, I'll go from 
most recent to uh, to least recent, just for because uh, I think maybe the team that has had the longest streak on here might be a surprise to uh, many. But um, 2003, New Orleans. Uh, 2002, Memphis. Uh, 1990, Minnesota. 1989 Charlotte and their two uh, the, the same franchise, but you know the Hornets Bobcats thing. We don't need to get into that. Uh, not confusing at all, though. Obviously, no, definitely makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, 1986 Sacramento. Uh, not been to the finals since '51 when they were the Rochester Royals. Uh, 1985 the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, who came from San Diego, and of course before then Buffalo, and the longest streak of a team never making a. A finals appearance in their current city, 1969, the Atlanta Hawks. <sighs> Never been to the finals in Atlanta for now 50, 51 years. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. <sighs> Sorry, Atlanta. Yeah they, yeah, they made it as the St. Louis Hawks, of course, if you're thinking. No, the Hawks right. made the finals, but never... Never in Atlanta. So John yeah. Collins and Trey Young, you are only hopes. So. All right. All right. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Next year. <laughs> Turn well, it around, baby. Maybe not next <laughs> no, year. No, I'm, I'm aggressive. Yeah. I'm aggressive yeah. on my timeline. Next year, baby. Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, probably not. But yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, Serrano's off the list now. They're, they're done. They're yeah. gone. They're they gone. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have to do it. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting, too, before we get into the actual Raptors themselves and the history of that, uh, you'll let people know about Pro Hoops in Toronto before the Raptors, because that did exist before even maybe the first pro game in, in history. Yes, yeah, right. Yes, the well, the first, yeah, the, a major pro game. The the one of the two leagues that uh, the NBA traces its origin to. Uh, the the BAA, they're very takes their origin from steals. Well, right. Well, <laughs> like, yes. Cat burglars. Sure. I get it, not even cat burglar because it's just blatant. Yeah. The, the well, I mean, I, I guess they're allowed. To, they should be taking from both, but they're only taking from one. So I don't. Yes. know I don't know if that is. So um, cat ignorer, I guess. Um, <laughs> right there we go. I, yes. I don't know. That, that's. We'll have to coin a phrase for that. But yes, so the very first game in BAA history took place in Toronto, uh, November 1946. It was the Toronto Huskies and the New York Knickerbockers in Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, now, the NBA officially recognizes its history incorrectly as tracing itself back to the BAA, ignoring the NBL. Of course, that drives uh, you know our historian friends uh, crazy, including in front of the show Curtis Harris uh, in, in terms of uh, ignoring that origin, but still, it is a notable um, event in NBA history. Kind of cool that Toronto was the first BAA uh, game. And uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's not ideal that like they they don't recognize the NBL, but it is kind of cool though that in recognizing the BAA that we you know when this finals kicked off that they were able to say hey you know this is pretty interesting because the first game in our history you know whether it be true or not the first game in in, in what we consider our history uh, was played in Toronto and that, and that's kind of cool to know that that and and also what's interesting about that too is you know we're talking about 1946 we'll talk about the history of the Huskies here in a bit but the fact that it was like that long between prominent moments in like Toronto basketball history was pretty much like you know a week ago when the finals kicked off and then some stuff in between and then 1946 you know, there's just like a very large gap there, which is just it's just kind of fascinating to, to, to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, the Huskies were not long for this world. Unfortunately, they uh, uh, they did OK early on, but they ended up losing a lot of money, would only play one season. The BAA itself would um, last until 1949 and then it merged with the NBL to create the modern NBA. Uh, and Toronto was not really a significant part of the NBA uh, up until the early 90s. Uh, the uh, Buffalo Braves did play 16 games at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto between 71 and 75. Uh, in, in fact, in June 1974, the NBA actually voted to award a franchise to Toronto for the 1976 season. Interestingly enough, they awarded to the city, not to a specific ownership group, but then 
in uh, January 1975. They took it back, said, no, we're not going to uh, not going to award you a franchise. And uh, the, the Jazz came in earlier on that year, but they the uh, but Toronto did not get one, at least for the time being. Yeah, and then our good friend. We get to oh, yeah. meet our good friend again. I love right. how every every few months, old Ted, <laughs> old Ted comes up. Yeah, yeah Ted Stepien. Yes, March 1983, he sought permission to move the Cavaliers to Toronto. But instead of that, soon the Cavs were sold to new ownership, the Guns, and were able to stabilize that franchise who had gone through a significant amount of instability over the uh, the preceding years. Uh, there were actually a number of teams that were in significant financial trouble right at that point. The Pacers were having big trouble. The Kings were having big trouble. A couple others were really struggling. There was even talk about uh, contraction uh, right around that point in 82 and 83. But things had turned around pretty quickly with the, the popularity of the league soaring with you know Magic and Bird and, and Jordan. And then uh, everyone would be um, excited. And then the NBA would start to talk expansion. Absolutely. And 10 years later, NBA looks to continue its rapid expansion by welcoming two Canadian teams into the league, uh, awarding franchises to Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, and as we mentioned at the top of the show, this is a period of heavy expansion in the NBA as well. 1988, uh, you get the Heat and the Hornets. Uh, 1989, you get the Timberwolves and Magic. And now just a few years later, uh, officially the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies and the Toronto. Eh, we'll get to that in a sec. We don't know quite yet. Uh, Toronto, uh, they the Toronto franchise, which say officially established November 4th, 1993, uh, with plans to tip off in the 1995 season. Of course, Toronto's first professional team in 48 years. We talked about the Huskies here in a bit. Our group was headed by Toronto businessman John Bitov, I believe is how you pronounce it, for a then record expansion free fee of $125 million US. And he says we are going to make the NBA proud. So, um, Similar to what you were talking about in in the you know the seventies when they award a franchise to kind of the city, uh, there was a unique approach to the round of expansion for the NBA at this time too because they didn't examine bids between cities, but rather they asked for different bids from the same city. So they said, "Toronto, you are going to get a franchise, okay? Local businessmen bid us," and that was kind of so it wasn't like one guy said, "Hey, I want to give a franchise in Toronto," and they said, "Yeah, cool." They said, "Okay, we're going to set up shop in Toronto. Who wants to pay for it?" It was a really interesting way to kind of go about it. Uh, anyway, Professional Basketball Franchise Inc., which was Bitov's group uh, ultimately won the bid, but faced uh, heavy competition between a, uh, a a group led by a construction magnate, Larry Tannenbaum, uh, as well as the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce and Labatt Breweries. So there's a lot of heavy hitters in there. Uh, there was also a Magic Johnson supported group led by concert promoters Bill Ballard and Michael Cole that also got in there. So pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, not WWF's uh, WWF's Michael Cole, Michael C O H L. I that would yes. be that'd be interesting. Yeah, he's he yeah. unsuccessful bid at buying an NBA franchise, and then he just became a, a WWE backstage announcer. So uh, that did not happen. But uh, Toronto hosted two exhibition games in 1989 and 1992. Uh, drew more than 25,000 fans for both of those. So that kind of proved a stern in the NBA that, hey, there, there's an appetite for pro basketball in this town. And, and if you're looking to expand, uh, especially if you're looking to expand into Canada, you know, we got some, we got a good place for you. So that is how Toronto got their franchise. But Jason, how did they get their name? How did they become the Raptors? Yeah, uh, interesting. Well, initially the plan was to go back to the Huskies because it's like, hey, that's a pretty cool name, Toronto Huskies. It you know links us back to our past. But one issue they ran into right away is that there was a team called the Timberwolves in the NBA that had started just a few years before, and coming up with logos and branding to differentiate between the Huskies and the Timberwolves was, was difficult. So they decided to ditch the name and began a nation- nationwide search for the new name. Some polling and 
that sort of things. I I not realize that. That's interesting, Rich. I mean, I, I you know I can totally see how that would be a problem. I think the Huskies name is cool, but yeah, that it is very similar to Timberwolves. It's difficult to to do that. Yeah, it, it is strange. Yeah, I, I didn't really. I don't know in, until I did the research for this. I really knew that that was the reason why they didn't go with the Huskies. I just thought it was because it was like the '90s, man, and like the Jurassic Park came out, and they were like, well, you know, Huskies is old and lame, but like the Raptors, like everyone's gonna like dinosaurs forever. Um, so I, I that's kind of what I thought more than anything but it makes a lot of sense that like a few years ago we just started a new franchise called the Timberwolves it's it, it, it and I get it like I think there there was there they should have probably went with the Huskies like if I were doing it I probably would have went with the Huskies and there was enough ways that you could have differentiated the logos and all that sort of stuff but I get it times were different it was 1993 yeah. Spielberg was on top of the world Jurassic Park was everything I get it I get it I understand but uh yeah in retrospect I wish they had gone with the Huskies but I've learned to love the Raptors it's fine yeah, I, I actually like the Raptors. I think I think it's good. Um, I, I think it works totally well. I think it's it's different and and it, it you know it links to to the time, but it also yeah, so people love dinosaurs, so uh, it's all good. Yes, so there were uh, more than uh, two thousand different entries in the um, in the poll <laughs> to. Uh, Name the team. The final tap. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine what? what, what Two thousand different names. I can only. I can't even. But yes. When when you figure out this, when you when you read off these ten, and these are the best of the ten, I have to know what the other hundred ninety nine thousand or whatever was. Yes, but yes. Uh, yeah. So the top ten list was the Beavers. The Bobcats. Ooh, I could have had the trouble. Ugh, Bobcats. Gross. <laughs> gross. Can you yeah. imagine, Jason? Can you even fathom? Having an NBA franchise and naming them the Bobcats, that's unbelievable. I can't even in a million years imagine that would ever happen. So that, a, that one, we just strike off the list right away. There's no possible way that anyone could ever <laughs> right. name an NBA franchise the Bobcats. That would be ridiculous. Right. Like, it would what, be what, insane. What would, yeah. No, that would be the, the dumbest thing you possibly could ever do. Yeah, Obviously, God, no one never, would ever do that. So, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Thank God. Uh, it has never happened. It will never happen. Yeah. Though, honestly, yeah. I'm... Few, really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Rich, honestly, I, I think you must have gotten the notes wrong here because there's no way they even consider or naming the team Bobcats. <laughs> right. It could not, not have been not in the possible. top 10. They just immediately yeah. ripped that up and said, this is ridiculous. So, well, you have yeah. to throw a few in there because they obviously wanted it to go in one direction. So you have to throw sure. a few in there that nobody yeah. is ever going to vote for uh, like few, the Bobcats. A few so. ringers. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. <laughs> right, so, exactly. Right, yeah. Right. Dragons, which is it's fun. I like dragons. Um, and obviously similar to dinosaurs, except dinosaurs actually existed. Um, grizzlies. Uh, what are you trying to which, say? <laughs> what? Excuse <yes>. me? <laughs> right. Uh... <laughs> Um, Grizzlies, you know, which uh, I guess, yeah, they, were, they weren't coordinating with Vancouver on that one. Uh, the Hogs, which Toronto's nickname is Hogtown, so that that's a, would have been an interesting one, but probably not a good choice. The uh, Of course, the Raptors, as we said. Uh, the Scorpions, which, you know, you're going to run into, you definitely have your theme song, you know, Rocky Like a Hurricane. Yeah, I was going to say right Rocky away. Like a Hurricane, yeah. unfortunately playing right. before every fucking game uh, ever. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't, you know, that's a good, that's a, <laughs> I don't know how we got there. Uh, T-Rex, uh, the Tarantulas, and the Terriers. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wanted to play a fun game here. What, how many of these names are demonstrably worse than the Raptors? Which, which we agree. I like the Raptors are kind of weird and, and kooky. I've learned to love them, but it's a little weird. I get it, but whatever. But how many of these are like way worse than the Raptors? Um. Hmm. I I guess I don't really mind the Beavers. I think that's that's kind of like you, <laughs> you know can't name your team the Toronto well, Beavers. I mean, I, there's right. I I get why you can't name the Beavers, but um. Uh. I don't know. Yeah, I guess most of them are definitely worse than the Raptors. I, I mean, maybe dragons. You know, I, I I could go for dragons. That's probably yeah. It. I like dragons. Otherwise, I like dragons the rest a lot. Of them are probably rest of them are probably worse. The Toronto tarantulas are kind of cool too. Like okay. it's, it's 
Like they definitely would have just went out of business in like two years if they were called the Toronto Tarantulas. Sure. Because it just reminds me of just like some old, like, you know, old school, like the, the I forget there was spy- the Cleveland Spiders, I think were like the worst baseball team of right. all time or whatever. Right. It just reminds me of that where it's yeah. like the Toronto Tarantulas would have played like a year and then like went away and nobody would have ever remembered them. Yeah. But uh, I think they made a good pick with the Raptors. Yeah. Uh, of those 10, I think the Raptors are a solid pick. Kind of like the Chicago Packers, you know, just Chicago Zephyrs, you know, it just one right, yeah, right, one, right, one right. They would have changed or something. Yeah. Fair point. So yes, um, the uh, so uh, the Raptors were chosen officially May fifteenth, nineteen ninety four. Um, the logo f- featured an aggressive, sharp toothed dinosaur dribbling a basketball. It was very colorful: red, purple, black, and Naismith silver in honor of James Naismith, a Canadian, of course, who invented basketball in nineteen eighty one. Or excuse me, eighteen ninety eighteen ninety one. Transpose those numbers there. So. Um, and then, yes, they, they sold more than 20 million Raptors gear in the first month after its unveiling. Uh, and by the end of the year, 1994, the logo uh, was uh, was very hot. And the Raptors uh, were seventh in the league in merchandise sales already, even though, of course, you had to play their first game. So that's uh, it was certainly hot. It was certainly of the time. I mean, we look back at those colors. At least you and I look back at those colors and some of those uniforms. Um, the, the Raptors less so, I think, more than... Uh, a lot of the other teams that rebranded during this time, we've talked about it before, obviously in other episodes, the Rockets, the the Pistons, the uh, you know the, the, with the with the really big the, the gaudy colors and you know the really big uh, prints and, and so forth. Uh, we don't look up favorably upon that era. I know there are some uh, you know '90s kids who love some of that, and, and of those, I think the Raptors one holds up the best in terms of like you know a couple times a year throwing on the throwbacks you know i think they're fun enough that they work even though they're a bit gaudy to me yeah no i'm I'm actually pretty partial to these these jerseys and these colors or whatnot and i think one of the big reasons why and 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 i think we touched on on that episode as well is it's like a lot of classic franchises basically just like torch their entire history to like get as like cool and radical and 90s as as humanly possible and that kind of hurts like the rockets one is just like oh man like you guys had like really like classic look and like this is what you have now this like smiling rocket thing and then like the detroit pistons which i think we named the the worst jersey of of the era uh which is like horrendous looking color and the Utah Jazz and that sort of stuff. Whereas the, the Raptors, they didn't really have a history to sort of ruin or or, or, or change or whatever. So I I think and 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 you know I, I think they didn't really do any harm to you know their their franchise history or their franchise you know storytelling or any of that sort of stuff. It's like perfectly worked with with, with that franchise at the time and it perfectly worked at the time as well. You know, 1993, 1994, 1995, purple, a dinosaur. I mean, it all works. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly of its time. And I think it just in in more ways than than a lot of those other jerseys are really encapsulated what that era was. And I think in in a lot of ways it had become kind of timeless. It became kind of a time capsule for the mid 90s in a lot of ways. So I'm I'm pro these jerseys and these logos and all that sort of stuff. I like them. They're okay. The pinstripes, eh, they could have done without the pinstripes, but that's fine. Everybody makes a few mistakes. But I think they kind of, what they did, you know, kind of before they moved to the red, I think they basically nailed what I would have done with those jerseys, which the purple was fine, a little bit of red, the black was kind of cool, and then, yeah, I, I think they, they I, I'm pro uh, Raptors jerseys of the mid-90s for sure. Gotcha. All right. Fair enough. For true. Uh, we, we can still be friends. Okay. All right. You're All not. Right. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, it's, no it's, it's okay. Like I said, I, in terms of the standard of the time, they're the best of that standard, but I'm not yes. really a, a big fan of that style in general. So. That, no, I, 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 yeah, I, thought, I get it. Yeah. it. It's very gaudy. It's very, right. very mid-90s yeah, for sure. Exactly. But, uh, well, speaking of gaudy and mid-90s, Isaiah Thomas, everybody, oh, yeah. uh, during yes. the very same press conference where uh, Toronto announces their new name and announces their new logo, bursting through a sign set up at a podium, it is former Piston legend Isaiah 
Thomas, and this is from the SI Vault uh, on that date in 1994. He says, I'm here to create a framework where a basketball team can perform, Thomas says. But first, it starts with educating your staff. I feel like a professor sometimes. NBA 101. Yes, Isaiah Thomas is going to head up this new franchise, obviously not as the owner. Eh, kind of, we'll get into that a little bit, but he is going to be the general manager, the president, the man pulling at the strings of the Toronto Raptors franchise. Uh, he says, our players will clearly connect with the logo, creating the image. You'll look at our players and say, he's a Raptor. <laughs> what do you think right. about Isaiah Thomas? I, I, mean, I guess you look at the uniform and say, hey, he's a Raptor. So that, <laughs> that makes that sense. Is- I, I cannot argue with that. Uh, honestly, if I'm Isaiah, though, I, I I don't necessarily want my players to be Raptors. The Raptors, while very good dinosaurs on the dinosaur power rank, he's pretty good. Very yeah. short arms, probably not going to get a whole lot of rebounds, That's and their true. shots are probably going to get blocked a lot too. So, yeah. um, I don't know if I'd be a Raptor if I was a basketball player. I think there are many other dinosaurs right. that might be better than the Raptor, but you know, whatever. That's a fair point. Uh, Jerry West, he thought it'd be wor- uh, that it would work pretty well. He says he'll be terrific. This is that same SI Vault article. He says he'll be terrific. Isaiah has some real pulses to start, or real pluses to start. He knows current players better than anyone. He's played against them, and you can't fool another player when you draft an expansion team. That's important. So Jerry West thinks it's going to work. Uh, we'll sure. get to it and see if it works. But uh, yeah, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> uh, Thomas got to work uh, quickly, staffing uh, or staffing up the coaching staff with uh, familiar names, including longtime Piston Brendan Malone, who was named the Raptors' uh, first head coach. Uh, 1995 expansion draft. Thomas and the Raptors won the first overall pick and selected Chicago Bulls guard B.J. Armstrong. There was just one issue. Uh, BJ didn't want to play for the Raptors, so he refused to report. Eventually, he was traded to the Golden State Warriors for Carlos Rogers and Victor Alexander. Uh, not great. Not, not, not great at all. But um, let's go over really quickly the, uh, the, the expansion picks for the 1995 Toronto Raptors. Of course, mentioned BJ Armstrong. Uh, they also got in Tony Massenburg, uh, some guy named Andres Golbert. I don't know who Andres Golbert is, but I'm sure he was great. Uh, Keith Jennings, Dantigo Wingfield, Doug Smith, Jerome Kersey. Yes, Jerome Kersey. Uh, Zan Tabak. Willie Anderson, Ed Pickney, AC Earl, BJ Tyler, John Sally, and Oliver Miller. Big Oliver Miller. I forget, was Oliver Miller as big as a house at this point yet? Or had he, was that uh, later in his Raptors years yeah, where he really got? I'm I, sure he wasn't like in shape, but you know what I mean. Like big O, big O. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think it would be a couple years later when he was like suspended for the team and and that stuff. I, I don't think he quite gotten there uh, yet. He's only 25 at this point. So, um, so I didn't realize how young he was when he was with the um, when he was with the the uh, Suns. But uh, yes, uh, yeah, he did. Um, he played basically the full season, and then he went from he went to Dallas, and then went back to Toronto, and then '98 he uh, he did play some. But I, I there was definitely some. I don't think he was quite there yet, but he was definitely, you know, he wasn't thin. We'll put it that way. Probably not. No, yeah. he definitely wasn't. But uh, it's an expansion draft. They're always pretty bad. We don't have to kind of point and laugh at them. They they did. A pr- I, I would say ultimately they did a pretty good roster there. They have uh, some veterans and, you know, eh, a few veterans that are okay. Uh, B.J. Armstrong, BJ Armstrong would have been a nice pick, but of course he didn't want to go there. So didn't quite work. Anyway, uh, they landed the seventh pick in the 1995 NBA draft, one spot behind the Vancouver Grizzlies. And they selected Arizona point guard Damon Stoudemire. Uh, the NBA took place at the Raptors' future home, Toronto Sky Dome, which they would play uh, the next year. Uh, the Stoudemire selection was met with boos as the fans wanted Thomas to select UCLA's, uh, UCLA's Ed O'Bannon. And a uh, good reminder here that most fans are stupid, sometimes even dumber than Isaiah Thomas. So <laughs> they did not get Ed O'Bannon. They got Damon Stoudemire, and uh, that worked out, I think, a little bit better for, uh, maybe not for the Raptors, but for the league. Uh, Damon Stoudemire was a lot better than Ed O'Bannon. So. Yes, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely true. 
So the uh, the Raptors originally played primarily at the Sky Dome, which is now known as the Rogers Center, which is the home of the Toronto Blue Jays. Very much not an NBA arena, although I think it is cool to see some of the old pictures of it. It's more a it's a cool, like rare occasional atmosphere, and, and not a cool, you know, place to play every game or most games. Obviously, because you know you're you're gonna gonna be very rare that you're going to fill you know an arena that large. Right, and if you if, if people haven't seen what it looked like in the Sky Dome, it was it's not like they were putting sixty thousand people in here. They were basically like tarped off half the stadium and then just kind of sat people uh, in one side of it or whatever. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing, but it was kind of cool to see them in there. It's, it's similar to when you know the, the Pistons played in the Pontiac Silverdome, uh, which is kind of cool. Always a, kind of a fun look because it's like you could tell it's a big arena, but that you could tell there's like weird tarped off points or whatever. But uh, yeah, again, not aesthetically the best, but uh, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool for you know, watching a few games, like you said. Uh, definitely not the the, the long term home uh, of an NBA franchise. Yes, they also played uh, some games in Maple Leaf Gardens uh, when the Skydome was unavailable, and a handful of games in the Cops Coliseum in nearby Hamilton when both the Gardens and the Skydome were occupied. So they bounced around a little bit, obviously, uh, in a new place. Uh, so some notable things about their expansion year: um, the uh, the player to score the very first Raptors points was Alvin Robertson, who helped Toronto win their actually their first ever game was a. 94-79 victory over the New Jersey Nets. Uh, and they finished 21-61, and 61, which for an expansion team is not absolutely terrible. Uh, they do have the distinction of defeating the Chicago Bulls uh, during their 72-win season. So that was a, quite a, a surprise, quite the upset at the uh, time. Um, and uh, Damon Stoudemire won, won Rookie of the Year. Um, and, you know, the, the, the first year, you know, it, it could have gone better, but didn't go terribly either. They were definitely... Uh, you know, they were better off than the Grizzlies were for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, this is I mean, 21 and 61. Not great. But yeah, you can tell that they obviously have a few players that look like they can play. You got Damon Stoudemire. You, you, you're, you know, doing OK, you know, attendance wise. You're, you got some big kind of marquee wins. I mean, things definitely look good for, for that first year, especially for a franchise. Like you said, yeah, looking uh, across the country at the Vancouver Grizzlies, things were not nearly as good uh, for them. So, yeah, thumbs up so far for Isaiah and the Toronto Raptors. I'm sure this will only continue. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But 96, they improved to 30 wins. Uh, under, there you go. See? under the new coach, uh, Daryl Walker. Uh, they And they were able to draft uh, Marcus Camby as the number two overall pick in the uh, 96 draft, so that was helpful to them that, that year. He had a, a solid enough rookie season, not really a, not really a star season, um, and was uh, beset with a few injuries there, but he, um, but he, you know, had a decent start to his, his career. Uh, and again, the Raptors uh, beat the uh, Bulls, who won 69 games that year. So, uh, what a... Uh, uh, kind of a strange thing to have happen. I don't know why, why they had the Bulls number so much, but uh, but they did. They also, in that season, beat the Rockets, Jazz, and Heat, all who made the conference finals. So they uh, they certainly stepped up when the competition was at its uh, toughest. Just had a trouble yeah. w- in the regular games. <laughs> right. Every other game, unfortunately, was in trouble. But yeah, well, that's that's so unique. They got wins against every single team that made it to the conference finals, but they were only won 30 games. It's just that's very bizarre there for the Raptors. But again, 30 games. Hey, things are going pretty well for the Raptors. Two years in, there's signs are going up. You got a guy like a Marcus Camby. You got Stoudemire. You got some good veteran talent on the team. Things look like they 
be pretty good, except for uh, not so much in the 97-98 season. Things came unraveled. Uh, team struggled mightily, endured a 17-game losing streak at the beginning of the year. Uh, Walker was ousted in favor of Butch Carter, but there was more turmoil on top. Uh, Alan Slate, who became uh, the new owner of the team the year prior due to some reason. So I'll, I'll go over this really quickly. It's a lot of just kind of like rich dudes, you know, <laughs> arguing over rich dude things. But uh, Slate, Alan Slate, who became the new owner of the prior year, and, and Bitov, who we mentioned before, uh, they, just, they disagreed on the Raptors' new arena. Bitov wanted a basketball-specific arena, so an arena just for the Raptors. Uh, while Slate felt they needed to build an arena with the blessing of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, thus having the Maple Leafs become the senior tenant and then share games between those two teams, whereas Bitov wanted a, an arena just for the Raptors. Uh, Slate knew that the Toronto Maple Leafs were going to build an arena themselves and said, we don't need two <laughs> big arenas. Why don't we just share with them? So they got into a big argument. Slate then invoked a shotgun clause, forcing a 60-day limit for one of the owners to buy the other one out. Uh, Slate then bought Bitov out and became the primary team owner. Uh, but that turmoil would continue into 1998 when Isaiah Thomas, who owned 9% of the team, uh, attempted to execute a, execute a letter of intent to purchase the team. Uh, Thomas cited that he would have had to risk his fortune to continue as part owner, and he wanted to become the full owner. Uh, that did not happen, of course. Uh, so then he did a press conference and said, my pockets cannot support my emotions anymore. Uh, Slate, in the press conference announcing Thomas's resignation, said that management uh, said of, of management and ownership, uh, there was a rift, and the rift has disappeared after today. So... Yes, not a lot of positive stuff uh, with Isaiah. Apparently, there was a lot of issues between Isaiah and the other owners. Uh, and this was kind of a long time coming for this breakup to happen. Uh, but as far as the players, uh, the actual Raptors that would go on the court and play basketball, they uh, responded pretty poorly to Thomas's ouster. Uh, Number one draft pick, Damon Sonomar, demanded a trade. Uh, in February, he was shipped to Portland for Kenny Anderson, Alvin Williams, Gary Trent, and draft picks. Uh, but unfortunately, what would become a trend for Toronto's early history, uh, Kenny Anderson did not want to report to Toronto. Uh, so Toronto had to trade him to the Celtics for Chauncey Billups, D. Brown, Roy Rogers, and John Thomas. Uh, Raptors ended the season a dismal 16-66. and They were the NBA's youngest team uh, with five rookies that year, including Chauncey Billups, who was traded at, in his rookie year. Uh, and then Trace McGrady, uh, obviously the high scorer who they drafted this year as well, still a Rookie. Uh, this is a franchise low negative 8.33 SRS this year, too. This was about as bad as it was going to get ever for the Raptors. But, uh, yeah, a lot of issues in terms of ownership and in terms of players. They lose Stoudemire. Nobody really seems happy. And, yeah, things are, are not looking good for Toronto. Yeah, it is funny that they had uh, Billups and McGrady together for uh, on that team. Obviously, both uh, did not last particularly long in, uh, in in Toronto. But, obviously, there was a young talent that they were going to be able to uh, build upon there. And, uh Things started to look up once they uh, they got a change of ownership. Maple Leaf Gardens Limited, the owner of the Maple Leafs, um, purchased the whole uh, purchased the team and the arena the team was building, the Air Canada Center. Um, and then in the '98 draft, the uh, Raptors uh, they selected Anton Jameson fourth, and they traded him to the Golden State Warriors for the fifth overall pick, uh, Vince Carter. And bringing in, of course, uh, Vince Carter would would definitely change the fortunes of the franchise. And they also decided to um, bring in some veterans to kind of try to turn the uh, ship around. Uh, they traded Marcus Camby to the Knicks for Charles Oakley, um, who brought some toughness and some rebounding and stuff, even though Oakley was definitely more toward the end of his career. They also acquired Kevin Willis, who just had a really uh, strong season with the, uh, with the with the Rockets, also uh, an older player. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the can be for Oakley trade, it seems like a bad modern trade, but it certainly, you know, it certainly paid some short-term dividends for the um, 
Raptors, and it's not as though like they were trading away a Hall of Fame player. I mean, they're trading away you know a, a solid contributor who could help them. But but I I I, I kind of get the trade, and and maybe it's not quite as bad as it looks on paper. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree as well. I think it's just an interesting question because you would say like, hey, we're going to trade, you know, second year player Marcus Camby for 35 year old uh, Charles Oakley. But then like, you know, on its face, you'd say that's ridiculous. It's a terrible trade. But as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Marcus Camby was battling through some injuries. He had some knee uh, issues and those didn't stop when he went to New York either. I mean, it really wasn't until he left New York and started kind of doing some stuff in, in, in Denver. And then obviously his his later career where Marcus Camby was a reliable player, a guy that would be out there, you know, and, and, and help teams, you know, w- you know, make playoff runs and do all sorts of stuff with Rockets and a bunch of other teams like that's really when Marcus Camby became what we know of him now but like you said he's not like this unbelievable all-star uh, unbelievable Hall of Fame or whatever he's just like a solid role player at the time though it does seem kind of weird that like your second overall pick from two years ago you're gonna trade for Charles Oakley but yeah at the time it you know Oakley was really good and then we'll talk about it in a bit he helped the Raptors a ton like that's what that team needed more than anything they didn't need more young players they needed kind of old school tough veteran guys and, and that's exactly what you know Oakley and and to to an extent too Kevin Willis brought them yeah, and they uh, they ended up finishing twenty three and twenty seven that year. Uh, the lockout shortened season, uh, playing in the Air Canada Center. Finally, uh, they also uh, traded their first round pick, um, Jonathan Bender, for um, Antonio Davis, and uh, and that paid dividends in the next season, the two thousand season, as the team um, made its first uh, playoff appearance, uh, forty five and thirty seven under coach uh, uh, Butch Carter. Um, they had uh, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Doug Christie, Del Curry, Alvin Williams, uh, and Muggsy Bogues, as well as uh, Davis, Oakley, and Willis. So, yeah, a, a pretty solid mix of, you know, a couple real, really good young players. Carter averaging at that, that season 25.7 points per game, uh, 5.8 rebounds, 3.9 assists. So already at 23, you know, putting up some strong stat lines. Um you know, as we mentioned, uh, McGrady uh, uh, emerging and then a lot of really good vets to uh, surround them. And it was, you know, a uh, a formula for uh, to make the playoffs and to, you know, emerge as a team that looked like it was going to be having some success. We should mention Glenn Grunwald is is now the executive that's kind of putting all this stuff together, too. And he, he obviously has had a, a pretty good past in, 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 you know, NBA history or whatnot. But, yeah, a lot of interesting moves that, like, you know, initially probably don't look like they're going to work out. But they all kind of work out pretty well where, you know, you have your Vince Carter, your Tracy McGrady. You have your two young, good players. You have, you know, guys like a Doug Christie who was still at that point uh, kind of in his prime. And then you, you kind of surround him with a, a bunch of pretty solid, you know, veterans like in terms of guys like Del Curry, Muggsy Bogues, uh, Davis, Oakley and Willis. And it, and it worked out. Yeah, I mean, they, they were competitive in the in the East. And uh, Carter and McGrady started growing, and, and yeah, it looked like hey, this this team could actually go some places, go somewhere. Yeah, uh, the next season they fall off a little bit, uh, only forty two and forty. Um, the uh, this is the second year for uh, Lenny Wilkins as, um, as actually, I'm sorry, I I skipped over a year. I uh, we should go to the two thousand one season, which actually was their peak. They finished forty seven and thirty five. Uh, they bring in Lenny Wilkins as coach, and they. Uh, they reach a um, they despite losing Tracy McGrady, they uh, win a franchise high forty seven games at the time, advance to the Eastern Conference semifinals, and they uh, in a uh, scenario that sounds very familiar, uh, they had a chance at a game winning shot uh, against the uh, Philadelphia seventy sixers, but uh, this time unfortunately Vince Carter, who had attended his graduation earlier in the day, uh, missed the shot, could have sent the Raptors to the conference finals, and. Uh, and yeah, that would be sort of the the peak of the Vince Carter era. 
Yeah, unfortunately, and I, I love too the 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 irony that it was also for a chance to play the Bucks in the conference finals. Like yes. it's just so perfect. We'll talk about right. it. We we'll talk about the Kyrie shot. I mean, there was just so much there with the exact same scenario, almost exactly. Uh, it's just it's unbelievable. But yeah, I remember watching this as a kid and just my heart, you know, just sinking because I was a huge Vince Carter fan at this time too, and I was a huge Toronto Raptors fan. Not that I didn't, I still liked you know Allen Iverson and, and and the Sixers wanted them to win, but it was just like you could tell that like oh no, this could spell real bad issues for Vince Carter because of the whole graduation thing and that you could feel just the entire tenor around Toronto just sort of everything was looking up and looking up and looking up and then that shot bangs off and it's just kind of like mm. and it never unfortunately kind of got back on track for uh, for Vince Carter in this you know sort of era for the Toronto Raptors uh, in 2001 uh, we should mention the Vancouver Grizzlies are relocated to Memphis so it made uh, Toronto the lone Canadian team uh, the Raptors of course look to improve upon the last season we should mention as well that Tracy McGrady left on uh, to see the year prior uh, not not the 2001, but the year prior to go to the Orlando Magic. So he's no longer there. Vince Carter, it's just his team alone, which I think is an important point too. That you know, because I, I was I love the scenario if those two dudes stay together. I think it'd be awesome. But I get it. You know, I'm great. Yeah. had to go do his thing in in, in Orlando, right. and obviously had a great career and a, a great you know run with with the Magic. But uh, anyway, the Raptors look to improve upon uh, the last season, make a run at the finals. Uh, but injuries to Carter set them back because they lost to the Detroit Pistons in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the next season injuries continued. Uh, Raptors would set an all time record for games missed due to injury and um, become the only team not to dress twelve players for a single game all season. Uh, that surpassed a record, uh, or I should say the the injury games lost uh, surpassed a record from the 1996-97 Boston Celtics, who had 480 uh, <laughs> lost games due to injuries that year. But uh, yeah, things not going well here in Toronto, and then they would get a whole lot worse because in the 2002-2003 season, they'd fall off a cliff and go 24-58. and They just won 47 games two years ago. Now they're 24 24- Ugh, and 58. That's unbelievable that they haven't been there. But uh, there was a silver line into that is that they were able to uh, get the fourth overall pick and they would select Chris Bosch. So good stuff there. Uh, but there would be a lot of changes and, and the team would start kind of shedding a lot of what they were uh, in, in, in that, you know, kind of late 2000s or early 2000s, I should say, late 90s. Uh, Antonio Davis, Jerome Williams were traded for Jalen Rose and Daniel Marshall. Uh, continue, team continued to have major injuries. They were just kind of trying to keep this thing together and just was not working out uh 2005 there were huge changes with the team uh gm glenn grunwald was sent packing along with the entire coaching staff the raptors draft uh refiel arugio (laughs) not a good pick uh and vince carter expresses discontent with the team and later admits to not giving his best uh midway through the year the raptors would trade their former franchise star franchise cornerstone uh to the new New jersey nets for and alonzo morning eric williams and aaron williams uh morning like many before him refused to report to toronto forcing toronto to then buy out his deal so Alonzo Mourning Toronto Raptors that never happened but yes that's a good I always bring that up that's always one of my like ace in the holes when people are like hey remember Carmelo was on the Hawks and I'm always like yeah Morning was on the Raptors I like Morning on the Raptors and Dikembe on the Bulls are my two favorite ones so. I, I forgot about Dikembe on the Bulls that's, that's a good one yeah <laughs> There, there you go yeah they, they, we should like uh I mean, obviously you can't really do this but we should uh it would be fun if you could obligate a team to like have to play like the player one time before you trade him you know That'd be fun. Right, yeah, you just have begrudging Alonzo Mourning. Just right. like, he's got to check in. Yeah, he's got to at least like run up and down maybe once for like yeah. a minute. He just has to register right. a minute. Like he's probably he's wearing slacks still. He just he has like the the normal jersey on top, but he's just right. wearing like you know business slacks. And he's just like, all right, yeah, whatever. Like maybe a rebound bounces to him, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then they send right. him out. He waves to the crowd, and that's it for Alonzo Mourning. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> I'm yes. in for that. That would have been incredible. But uh, yes. yeah, not a great trade. Uh, 
Vince Carter for Alonzo Mourning, Eric Williams, and Aaron Williams, and then Alonzo doesn't stay. But uh, yeah, the leverage was a little low there, and 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 people don't really remember. It. I think it's kind of been smoothed over a little bit over the years, which is good. But uh, this was a contentious breakup here. Vince oh, Carter basically yeah. said. I'm not really playing very hard or I'm not playing through injuries. The Toronto people, they were over him and, and they, they kind of lost all faith. I mean, this was as, as ugly a breakup as you can get. And, and that's a big reason why they had no leverage is they, everybody knew that they needed to trade Vince Carter because Vince wasn't going to be able to stay there. And, and, and they knew that they could just kind of give whatever deal and, and the net then, and, and the Raptors would have to take it. So good on the Nets for, for, for offering that uh, deal. But yeah, they, the Nets lost absolutely nothing in that trade whatsoever in, in acquiring Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they got basically nothing out of that, and that was um, yeah. For, they they did get a couple first round picks uh, out of that, although it, they were Joey Graham and uh, Ronaldo Balkman, who never even played for the uh, <laughs> right. for the Raptors. So um, not not really ideal there, but um, yeah. And this was at the point that Rob Babcock was the general manager of the uh, team. So that was uh, you. Of course, we mentioned that they'd gone from Glenn. Glenrod to uh, Babcock, uh, Sam Mitchell now the coach of the uh, team, and uh, yeah, some some rough moves there. Obviously, they're in a bad position with the Carter uh, discontent and uh, so forth. But things to look up a, bit, a little bit um, as they were able to because of being so bad, they were able to draft a uh, up and coming star in Chris Bosh, who um, would soon become the new franchise player for the team. But it. There were definitely some growing pains over that time. Uh, I think 2006 is uh, best known for the Raptors becoming a part of history. Not history you want to become a part of because they uh, gave up 81 points to Kobe Bryant in a game. So, uh, of course, the most points that have been scored since the 100-point game uh, in 1962. Uh, historic NBA event, of course. Um, and then, yeah, the... 2006 NBA draft the Raptors get the number one overall pick but then they spend it on uh in a very not great draft they spend it on Andrea Bargnani uh that uh did uh he seemed like he'd be okay at first maybe not great but solid enough but yeah definitely uh did not end up paying dividends for them no he had like one or two years where it was like oh okay this guy kind of figured it out and then he didn't really. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't figure yeah. it out whatsoever. Fell, fell apart, yeah. uh, but one franchise thought that he would eventually figure it out. But we'll get to them here in a little bit. They are. Uh, you can always rely on the old Knicks to, to not quite know what's going on. So uh, good for them. But yeah, this is uh, not a great draft and, and, and not a great pick. But I mean, yeah. So number two, I'm just kind of looking at this draft. I mean, this is historically like ugh, draft here. Uh, Barniani goes number one. LaMarcus Aldridge, number two. Uh, Adam Morrison, number three, Tyrus Thomas, number four, Sheldon Williams, number five. I'm sorry, Jason. I'm sorry. I have to do this. Uh, (laughs) Brandon Roy, number six, who like ended up, you know, being pretty damn good there. Um, Rajon Rondo, Rudy Gay, you know, Rajon Rondo, 21st, uh, Kyle Lowry. We'll talk about, of course, here in a bit. Number 24th pick, uh, Paul Millsap though. I love that, that like the best player. Second round, forty seventh pick is Paul Millsap. All of those other, I could name a thousand dudes that just stunk that were drafted before that, and then it's just like I just love Paul Millsap being like, hey, you know, second round, forty seventh pick, and he's like far and away the best guy on there. You got uh, Cedric Simmons, Hilton Armstrong, Patrick O'Brien. Who are these men? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Not ideal. Maurice Ager, Marty Collins. That's another Isaiah pick there. Marty Collins. Yeah. But okay, Marty Collins, I need to close right. it. I I, yeah. I just ate. I need to close yeah. the two thousand six draft. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably good. Uh, but 2007 was a good year for the Raptors. They finished at 47 and 35. You know, Bosch was emerging as a star, was voted as a starter in the All-Star game, in fact. Uh, Sam Mitchell won Coach of the Year. Uh, Brian Colangelo was brought in as General Manager, and he won Executive of the Year. 
the Raptors would um, indeed fall in the first round to the Vince Carter-led uh, New Jersey Nets. So, um, but you know, things are looking up a little bit for the uh, for the old Raptors. They are, yeah. It stinks to kind of lose to uh, you know Vince and his right. new team, but uh, it's all right. They 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 they're on their own path now. Uh, that was a relationship that probably had to get broken up, but uh, yeah, things are 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 you know improving for the Raptors for sure. Sure. Yeah. The next year, uh, they do fall to forty-one and forty-one. Bosch misses uh, some games uh, with injuries and such. Uh, Jose Calderon emerges as, as a nice player for the uh, uh, for the Raptors. Uh, they did make the playoffs, but they were bounced quickly by the uh, Orlando Magic in the first round, four games to one. Uh, then the Raptors try to shake things up a little bit by um, acquiring six-time All Star Jermaine O'Neal in a trade with the Pacers, but. Doesn't really do all that much. Uh, they were 21 and 34 in the All Star break, and uh, Sam Mitchell fired, and O'Neal, along with Jamario Moon, uh, was sent to Miami for Sean Marion. So uh, you kind of forget about the Sean Marion Raptors uh, era. <laughs> I do, yeah. I forget about the Jermaine O'Neal era, and I forget about the Sean Marion uh, uh, one as well. I think we had an episode a few months ago where I, I think I, I dug up some fact about Jermaine O'Neal and the Raptors, and, and I don't think it's real. I really still don't think it's real. The research shows there are pictures. I guess there's video. I still don't think it's real that Jermaine O'Neal was ever a Raptor, but apparently he was, and also now you're telling me that Sean Marion was also a Raptor when that clearly didn't happen. You cannot show me any proof that that happened it just didn't there's no way 27 games it's a raptor in fact no uh, <laughs> you're making it up like, not, where yeah. where where are you getting this information uh basketball <laughs> references uh, that's that site's garbage they, they oh, don't right, they, they don't have anything no we love basketball reference. No, I'm, yeah, I'm lying yeah, but yeah. yeah this is a weird turmoil led it's just weird they're, they're just trying to throw things at a wall and see what the hell sticks and uh not much is sticking at this time unfortunately in terms of player acquisitions and 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 and, and second guys to kind of you know go side by side with Bosch. just nobody seemed to really kind of click yeah, you know, and they just had a hard time really getting, um, you know, Calderon was pretty good, but, you know, he was just a solid uh, guard, um, and uh, they would, and, and yeah, and Bosch was obviously the star, but they really just, you kind of had a rotating cast of guys, Bargnani didn't really develop uh, like they were hoping, uh, so yeah, in 2010, they brought in um, just some other guys, some some guys who they thought might be able to lead them to some success, they uh uh, signed Hida Turgulu as a uh, as a free agent, which was uh, a, a big money deal at the time. He, of course, was uh, great with the Raptors, but uh, didn't really work that out that well in uh, Toronto. They jerked Jack, uh, and they did draft, uh, and I'd forgotten all about this, they drafted uh, D- DeMar Rosen that year. So DeMar Rosen did play a season with uh, Chris Bosh. I completely forgot that. I did too, yeah, until I did the research. I, I guess I never realized how long DeMar Rosen was on that team. And, it, like, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this season and, and, you know, how he's obviously not on the team anymore. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I really did not think that they crossed over. I always thought that Bosch left, and that was the year that they drafted um, uh, DeMar Rosen. But, yeah, it's not the case. So that's, that's pretty interesting, too. I'd love to kind of go back and watch some video of that those two guys trying to coexist. But at that point, DeRozan was, like, as raw. I think he was still 19 years old or something like that. He was super, super young. So, uh, but definitely a little interesting. But, uh, yeah, all this is trying to get Bosch to hopefully stay and for the team to, to, to get good because Bosch is in his uh, contract year. Things have not gone very well in Toronto. And uh, yeah, all, all steam ahead to try to get uh, one last winning season and try to convince Bosch, please don't go. Please stay in Toronto. And uh, hmm, I don't know. Did it work? I don't think it did. No, not 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 particularly. No, in fact, um, and, and that, of course, that year, the Raptors finished 40 and 42, uh, did not make the playoffs and Bosch missed the last portion of the year because of injury. 
Uh, and then 2011, uh, it's a whole new era for the Raptors as Chris Bosh uh, heads to Miami. Yes, of course. Yeah, things did not work out. He moves to Miami. This is kind of the talk of the NBA at the beginning of the 2011 season. The legendary free agent clash. Uh, you got Chris Bosh. You got LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Amari Stoudemire. And I have to include Carlos Boozer because the Bulls, hey, you know what? They didn't get any of those guys. But <laughs> God damn it, they got Carlos Boozer. So <laughs> it's right. going to work out very well. So I'm, right. I'm adding him to that list, God damn it. But uh, right. yeah, no, it was definitely uh, – he was definitely the uh, – <laughs> ah, crap. All right, well, yeah, Carlos Boozer. Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, as we know, Bosh would leave the Raptors, join up with Wade and LeBron in Miami. Amari Stoudemire. I would, of course, go to the Knicks. Uh, predictably, this would make the Raptors struggle mightily. They would win only 22 games that year. Uh, prior to the next season, uh, Dwayne Casey, a former Mavericks assistant, became the head coach. Uh, and the Raptors began the rebuild. Uh, they drafted Jonas Valanciunas with the fifth pick uh, that year. New GM Brian Colangelo uh, worked tirelessly to convince Canadian citizen Steve Nash uh, to join the Raptors in free agency that year. Uh, but he instead went to the Lakers to have some fun, as we all know. The, uh, <laughs> the famous SI cover with him and Dwight Howard having just a whole a lot of fun with the Lakers, as we all remember, the least fun season ever in the history of basketball. But uh, yeah, in his own words, I was actually kind of surprised at how close, you know, in, in Steve Nash says he was there. I was I found a Toronto Sun article uh, from that offseason. He says I was very close uh, because it appeared that they were going to be an option long before free agency started. So I got in my head. I got my head around that and I was comfortable with and happy with the opportunity to play in Toronto. But when this opportunity with the Lakers became a reality, I couldn't pass it up. So it uh, did not happen with Nash going to Toronto. That's OK, though, uh, because Colangelo sets his sights on his number two target, Kyle Lowry. And this would be a move that would come to kind of redefine the Raptors franchise, even though at the time it probably didn't feel like it would whatsoever because uh, Lowry had bounced around a little bit during his early NBA career he was st- of course started with the Memphis Grizzlies uh, then went over to the Houston Rockets and now he'd be going to Toronto uh, for a future first round pick but at this time he's definitely is not a guy that anybody I think thinks that is, is any sort of long term option or, or semi star or second star or really anybody to build around just kind of a guy to have on your roster is kind of what Kyle Lowry was at that time but as we'd come to find that he'd be a pretty uh, pretty important part of the, uh, the Raptors uh, still to this day uh, also January 2013 the next season Colangelo makes Another huge movie acquires Memphis Grizzlies star Rudy Gay. Uh, Raptors finish 34 and 48, but for the first time in a while, there seemed like there might be some hope and direction. You got Rudy Gay, you got DeMar DeRozan, you got Kyle Lowry. So they have a lot of guys, a lot of guys taking a lot of shots. But uh, the winning hasn't quite happened yet, but uh, that'd be coming pretty soon. Yeah, definitely coming pretty soon. I, I want to take this back to 2011 just very briefly and, and note that uh, that Peja Stojakovic played two games for the uh, Raptors uh, during the season. Um, I think was traded from the Hornets and then played two games before being released and ended up going to the um, ended up going to the Mavericks and uh, doing some yeah things, playing a uh, huge there. role, yes. <laughs> huge role in their finals win. Yeah, that's uh, wow, man. There are a lot of men <laughs> spent very little time in Toronto. That is yes. I I yeah, I'll be honest. I did not know about the Peja Stojakovic Toronto I, Raptors. I, I'm gonna I, look it up right now. Yeah, we should get a jersey. You know, someone should send us a jersey. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. One of us, I guess, you know, we could share the jersey. You know, we could keep it, you know, every other week or something. We mail it or, you know, we'll figure out some sort of custody situation for the Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. Okay, so yeah. I have found uh, there is a picture of him wearing a Raptors jersey. So right, you were nice. not lying. So thank you. Yes. Nice. I, got, I always got to I got to test you with this these Raptors. Things. Right. I, you, uh, yeah. you tried to scoot that Sean Marion one past me and I caught you on that. One. You did. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you try to tell me that there was a team that there might be a team called the Bobcats. And I did, I did yeah. do that earlier. I did, right. I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So. so we're all lying. I think we're this relationship has gotten a little. I, we need to get back to really grounding ourselves in in, in truth here. But I, let's, I, for the for the rest of the show, no more lies. Okay, all right, no, just, no, just no truth. more lies. No, <laughs> no more lies. The lying ends now. Yes. So, so yeah, the 2013 season Raptors are are, are 34 and, and 38, but things are getting looking up. Dwayne Casey is the coach. 
and then uh, 2014, uh, new leadership comes in as Messiah Jury becomes the uh, executive. And it seems at the time like he's going to just kind of completely clean house. Um, one thing he does pretty immediately is trades uh, Andrea Bagnani. Uh, to the Knicks for Marcus Camby um, and, and others, uh, Steve Novak, Quentin Richardson, and uh, then uh, a first-round pick and two second-round picks. Um, I don't believe I, I. I'm assuming Camby ended up being bought out. He did not have a second stint with the Raptors. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, I couldn't no, find exactly. Not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he he definitely got bought out. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Or he didn't. <laughs> well, was so at weird. the very least, he did not get played. Yeah, he was waived just a, a couple a week later. So. Um, yeah, so obviously that 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 was a big deal immediately, and uh, you know during the uh, middle of the season, um, the, Rudy Gay was traded to the Kings, and that looked like it was going to be like, oh, you know, we're gonna completely just gut the team and start rebuilding and all that. And I, I think that you know, even um, you know, there was talk about. Uh, you know, them trading Kyle Lowry, and uh, he later said, "Oh, I thought I was going to be out of town." And then uh, suddenly, uh, the team went on a ten-three run. Got some nice depth from the pieces that they, you know, they, they got for uh, Gay. That that trade officially was um, uh, Quincy A.C., Rudy Gay, and Aaron Gray to the Kings for Chuck Hayes, Patrick Patterson, John Sammons, and Grievous Vasquez. So all like, I mean, all those guys like particularly great, but like all like guys you can put in your rotation um you know for one right. one guy who was you know kind of like you know he was not a star but you know using possessions like a star shot like he was a star right. yeah that's yeah. that's yeah, this was i remember this being a very famous sort of uh, separation between kind of old school and new school fans like new like new school fans were like oh dude like trading Rudy Gay is going to help this team so much and 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 people that just sort of at that time looked at you know points per game and 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 stuff like that were like oh no like Rudy Gay scoring like because he, he he was a prolific scorer at that time but like the problem was he took up 30 shots to score you know 21 points or whatever so it, did, it wasn't like so everybody kind of everybody that knew their stuff and you're like your Zach low types and the guys that were really in in, in you know real deep into kind of numbers and and, and stats and and and, and kind of learning a little bit more about the game all looked at that trade of like oh dude no the Raptors are going to get better and I remember there being like arguments like throwing arguments about it because there was no way no you're trading a 20 point per game score you know there's no way for a bunch of as you said role players but again those role players don't take a bunch of 18 footers uh, so it ended up actually helping their depth uh, tremendously and yeah they went on just an incredible tear after Rudy Gay left yeah, and uh, they were twenty eight and twenty four at the All Star break. DeRozan was became the fourth Raptor to make the All Star game. Uh, the and the, the team ended up going forty two and twenty two after the uh, trade. They won the division for the first time since two thousand seven. Uh, broke the franchise record for wins with forty eight. Uh, and then they they had a tough playoff series against the Brooklyn Nets, which was the uh, the first year of the uh, Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett era. Um, Nets, I believe that that series went seven games uh, for them, so um, uh, a tough loss. But again, things looking um, uh, things looking good for the future for the uh, the team in twenty fifteen. Things start to click. Uh, they go on their best start in history, twenty four and eight, and they would win forty nine games that season. But as it become a theme, 
struggled in the playoffs as they were swept in the first round by the Washington Wizards. I, I can't believe the Washington Wizards used to be a competent team. It's like I was right. reading that of like what? Like no yeah. way. They've been bad for a decade. There's no way they were like good enough to sweep a good Raptors team in the first round of the playoffs. There's just no chance. But I guess I guess it yeah. happened. So uh, yeah, the, the Paul Pierce year for the uh, oh right oh yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I love that Wizards team. I love yeah. old man Pierce is out there doing work. Fun. Yeah. That was the one time where where Paul Pierce was acceptable. All the yeah, other I hate Paul are, Pierce. Yeah. He's like my one of my right. least favorite players of all time. But I fucking yeah. loved him on the Wizards. That, he was, that was so great. Yeah. I don't know why, but that was the one year where it was where it was okay. Well, until they started playing the Hawks, that that was then uh, it was the, not. Yeah. Then I turned against him. But anyway, um, yeah, I, it was weird because the Wizards and the Raptors, I think, were basically like it kind of seemed like they were on similar timetables because you know, they both had you know they both had really good backcourts. It seemed like they were both you know, kind of competing to be the next team that would emerge in the East. You know, we didn't know LeBron was going to go to the Cavs yet. Um, uh, you know, that kind of, or I, I guess at this point he had gone to the Cavs, but it, it was kind of like, okay, who's the heir apparent, you know, to LeBron in the East and those two teams seemed that they would do it. And, and the Wizards seemed like they had more upside. And then, yeah, they just kind of fell apart. And the Raptors obviously are keep chugging along. For sure, yeah. Then uh, next season, though, uh, 2016, uh, Toronto finally reached the 50-win mark. They won uh, 56 and 26 in the season. Uh, they uh, pushed the Pacers to seven games. Or the Pacers, I should say, pushed them to seven games in the opening round, which was I remember at the time uh, very like, oh no, not again! <laughs> like, please beat the Pacers in the first round. They did. They won their first playoff series in 15 years. Uh, they do battle with the Miami Heat. Uh, they defeat them, and then they would go to their first ever conference finals. There, unfortunately, they would face uh, LeBron James and the Cavaliers, losing in six games. So, uh, but they had made it farther. They made it to the conference finals. So, hey, things are are, are definitely as you said. The next step now is beating the Cavs, making it to the finals. 2017, they get ready to do that. They uh, retool a little bit for the playoff run. They acquired P.J. Tucker uh, and Serge Ibaka. Uh, the Raptors once again cruise in the playoffs, easily defeat the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, four games to two, uh, before once again falling to the Cavaliers, this time in the second round, in a sweep. 4-0 Raptors out of there. And yeah, that was uh, that was kind of, uh, I remember a little bit of a reckoning of like, okay, what, what's going on, guys? Like, is this yeah. team ever going to get over the hump? And, and, and you know, to, to Messiah Jury's credit, like, you know, he kept me kept it mostly together. We'll talk about it, you know, and what would happen, you know, in another year or so. But, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting because after so many failures, it's it, it's shocking that they didn't just say, you know, what, screw it. Everyone's gone. We're retooling this. We're rebuilding this. But they stuck with it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, and they had brought in they changed things around a little bit. I mean, brought in DeMar Caro for some depth. And unfortunately, he, you know, dealt with some injuries. You know, Valanciunas had come in as, you know, kind of the young emerging big man. You know, Corey Joseph, uh, you know, they got Patrick Patterson in that trade. They got Terrence Ross from, uh, you know, they drafted him and developed him. Bismack Biombo, Biombo, they they were nice. You know, they were good at acquiring, you know, good talent and, you know, getting them to fit in. You know, some moves didn't work out, like, you know, bringing Anthony Bennett for 19 games in the 2016 season or, not, not, you know, you not that – or – you know the Jared Sellinger era in 2017, obviously. Uh, <laughs> as we as we always define yeah. it, the Jared Sellinger era. Yeah, right. Forget. Yes, ex- exactly. So uh, you know they did. They weren't all. Uh, they weren't all winners, but for the most part, you know, obviously pushing the right buttons and getting some, um, you know, and, and getting the right pieces to surround you know DeRozan and um, Lowry and you know, you know, guys obviously would leave them for agency or have have bigger money, but you know, landing on some of those young players, um, you know, Norm Powell. Um, you know all those guys. Not, they're not all home runs, but you you hit enough. You know, uh, you know singles and doubles. You know, with uh, you know Siakam, Van Van Fleet. I mean, all those guys were not. You know, none of those guys were really like 
hugely heralded guys, but you know they made ex- exactly the right moves to kind of get pieces around uh, you know the their their top guys and uh, and and made everything work. Despite obviously you know yeah I mean really the, the problem that with the Raptors is they couldn't beat uh, LeBron you know which is like it's hard <laughs> yes. to do yeah I, and they seemed you not beat, many have yeah yeah I mean <laughs> and they seemed especially unsuited to do it I guess but. But still, like you know, that that's not uh, you know that, that's not a huge failing. I mean, they 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 played really well. They had some really good teams. They they had some teams that you know I, I I'm sure the fans were proud of, despite the you know postseason disappointment. Absolutely, yeah. 2018, I should say once again played well throughout the regular season, set the franchise record with 59 wins. Also, the franchise record in SRS with a 7.29. On the playoffs, they dispatched the Wizards in six games, but once again fell to the Cavaliers in the second round. Another sweep, and they are the first number one seed to get swept before the conference finals since the unfortunate 1969 Baltimore Bullets. So that was kind of it for uh, things, as we said. You know, they they kept everything kind of together, kind of retooled around the fringes. Uh, that was it, though. Changes were on the horizon. Uh, Coach of the year uh, that year, Dwayne Casey uh, was let go. Uh, assistant Nick Nurse was promoted to replace Dwayne Casey. Uh, and Messiah Jury made a little trade in the offseason with the old San Antonio Spurs, wouldn't you say, Jason? Yes, I would say. Um, yeah, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green uh, brought in for uh, D- DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Hurdle, uh from the Spurs. Of course, Kawhi had uh, his relationship with the Spurs had soured, uh, dealt with injuries, demanded a trade. Um, initially, it was reported that he did not at all want to go to Toronto, um, but uh, uh, he ended up, of course, suiting up for them for the season. Uh, the team uh, got off to a hot start. Uh, were six and zero, and also um, had the best start in their history with sixteen four record within twenty games. So, um, you know, already you know things looked good at the beginning, um, but they uh, you know decided not to uh, just kind of keep the team together. They made some moves, including a big one to uh, bring in Marcus All for Jonas Valanciunas, Delon Wright, and C.J. Miles to get, you know, someone who's really experienced, a great passer, to get a, a big man who really seemed to fit, uh, you know, I mean, Valanciunas is a talented player, but, you know, does not really a great defender, not necessarily the best passer, but Gasol just, you know, felt like more of a strong glue guy that could um, really help the Raptors, and obviously they've, you know, uh, has helped them in the in the playoffs and heading into the finals. Um and Leonard did – there were some injury concerns or certainly some resting uh, that went on, uh, more than 20 games that he um, rested uh, in the uh, uh, in the season. Um, the Raptors did finish the regular season second-best record in the East uh, and in the whole league, in fact, behind the Milwaukee Bucks. And they um, pretty easily dispatched the Atlanta Magic in the first round. The second round, we alluded to it earlier, but uh, as it happened in 2001, they faced the 76ers in a seven-game series, the closing seconds of Game 7 with the game tied. Uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, shot a huge shot, 15-foot, as he's falling nearly out of bounds from the corner. Uh, It hits, and uh, after four bounces, and lifts the Raptors to a 92-90 victory, the first games seven buzzer beater in um, oh, actually I don't believe it's the first uh, game seven buzzer beater because there's a few others that 
Oh, I'm you're right. Uh, is this? It was. A, it was a not the first series closing one, but I believe it was the first. The first, one that, yeah, in, in that in actually game occurred seven, in I think, Game Seven. You're right. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like when I read that stat initially, I was like, there, and I remember when the, when the shot happened, I was like, there's no way. There's like da 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 yada yada, and it was always like, oh no, those are all like shots that clinched the series, but in like Game Six or a Game Five or whatever, right. or something like that. This is legit the first Game Seven buzzer beater in NBA playoff history, which seems bizarre. Like I still don't believe it, but uh, I guess it's true. Yeah, as far as everybody else claims i think so but it just seems like there should have been another one right like yeah todd spear has uh, come up with a list of uh, of all of them i'll uh, i'll find that list real quick while you um I'll, while we move on to the next things but yes the um as the in the series against milwaukee the raptors looked like they were in trouble i actually lost the first game two games of the series pretty handily but they were able to turn things around as as leonard you know stepped up particularly in defending uh Giannis Antetokounmpo and you know and and we're able to advance to the finals for the first time in franchise history and uh and here we are yeah it's uh <laughs> I don't know what to say we're in the present now we don't usually get to the present I uh Jason what do we say what do we do it's the present it's here I don't uh Weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> we don't. It's weird. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, you know whether the Raptors end up winning the uh, winning the series or not. Yes, there is uh, some interesting things. So I do have the list of um, of uh, so buzzer beating shots in the playoffs that win a series. And you're right. This is the first one in Game Seven, the Eastern Conference uh, semifinals. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Game Seven. The others are uh, Tom Heinsohn in 1960. Jojo White in 74. It was actually free throws. Um, Ralph Sampson in 86, of course, against the Lakers. Uh, Derek McKee in 89 in the Western Conference first round. Uh, Jordan against the Cavs in 89 in Game 5. Jordan against the Cavs again in 93. uh, Game 4, the lesser-known shot. Uh, Stockton against the um, Rockets in uh, 97. And then Lillard in uh, 2014 against the uh, Rockets. And then Lillard again in 2019 against the Thunder. And that was game, uh, game five. Where? There we go. So, okay. Yeah, good, there you go. Good stuff so, there, thank you for uh, thanks to uh, Todd Todd Spear. So, um, uh, always good research on his part. Yeah, does great stuff. All right, let's talk about some career leaders of the Raptors. We'll kind of go over some of this stuff as we kind of wrap up this episode. Uh, all-time games for the Raptors. DeMar DeRozan, 675. All-time minutes. DeMar DeRozan, 22,986. All-time points. DeMar DeRozan, 13,296. I Are you surprised that he's... I mean, I'm, I, I guess I shouldn't be, but I kind of am because I'm just like, DeMar DeRozan, really? But he was there forever. I mean, he was there a very, very long time. I just, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I just like was kind of taken aback that he was leader in games, minutes, and points. Yeah, well, it, uh, they've had a lot of good players over the years, but no one has really lasted particularly long. You know, outside of him and Lowry, really are the two you know long right. guy, long time stars they've had, or you know, um, all stars they've had uh, during the time. No one else is really, you know, uh, you know, obviously Carter was only, was there for a relatively short time, and you know, the other top players they've had kind of the same story. Absolutely. Assist is going to be Jose Calderon with 3,370. Rebounds, Chris Bosh with 4,776. Uh, steals, Kyle Lowry at 746. Uh, PR, Vince Carter, 21.8. Win shares, Kyle Lowry at 62.9. And my favorite one, win shares per 48. Of course, the one and only 
you know this answer. It's Daniel Marshall, of course, of course. or .179. Of course, yeah. it's Daniel. You knew that. I didn't even need to tell you that, but I thought I would just add it in there anyway. That Because uh, that's like the oldest. Everybody knows. You know, when the right. leader in franchise in Raptors franchise history in Winters per 48 is Daniel Marshall. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tale as old as time. So. There, are, there are two stats that every NBA fan knows. One <laughs> right. is Will Chamberlain average 50 points in a season. And second is Daniel Marshall is the Raptors leader in Winters of 48. <laughs> of course. You yeah. all know that. Right. But, Obviously, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. Raptors top games in uh, in history. In points, uh, DeMar DeRozan, January 1st, 2018, he scores 52 uh, against Milwaukee. Three 50-point games in the history of the Raptors, which we have talked about a few of these so far in our 50-point game, uh, 50 point game series. Uh, DeRozan, Vince Carter, and Terrence Ross. Uh, rebounds, Bismack Biombo, March 17th, 2016. He has 25 rebounds against Indiana. Uh, 13 20-plus rebound games. Games in franchise history for Toronto. Uh, Biombo, of course, has one. Daniel Marshall, the aforementioned Daniel Marshall, of course. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Chris Bosh, Reggie Evans, Amir Johnson, Popeye Jones, Joey Dorsey, Hakeem Olajuwon, Jerome Williams. I think we have to at least talk about because we kind of glossed over it, but they did try to bring in Hakeem Olajuwon during, uh, I want to say 2002, I think, that they brought him in yes. uh, to kind of solidify, and yeah, Hakeem couldn't walk at that time, so it didn't, he was okay with the team, but yeah, he certainly wasn't like the transcendent franchise-altering player that uh, I think they all kind of hoped that they were going to get, or I don't even know if they hoped they were going to get him at that time. I think it was pretty obvious uh, what Hakeem was at, at at that time, but still, yeah, kind of disappointing that uh, that's kind of the last you know gasp for Hakeem Olajuwon is in a Raptors jersey, and he's just not good at all. Right, yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of the whole thing was you know more veteran toughness. I mean, they lost Oakley at that point, so that was you know I, I guess in some sense replacing him. Um, yeah, only seven point one point six point zero rebounds in twenty two minutes, uh, sixty one games overall, thirty seven as a starter. So yeah, I mean, not you know not the worst end to any career, but not obviously not great, and you know, and, and kind of odd to uh, end his career with the Raptors instead of ending it, of course, with the. Uh, with the rock, it's not some tragedy or anything, but yes, we we did sort of gloss over that one. So I'm glad that we uh, brought that up. But hey, I had a 20 plus rebound game, so you know at least yeah. One so night, it wasn't all bad. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wasn't so. wasn't full on Ewing on the Sonics. It was you know there was, was a, a couple of good games, but uh, yeah. All right, steals. Uh, Doug Christie, February 25th, 1997, nine steals against the Nuggets. Uh, Doug Christie has four of the top six Raptors all time steals games. Morris Peterson and Jerome Williams have games with eight. Uh, Tyne Christie, who uh, yeah, he has the nine, and then he has a bunch at eight, and then yeah. Only the other guys to get in the mix there is uh, Morse Peterson and Jerome Williams. And Mo Pete was a big deal for uh, the Raptors, too. I should mention him. And, and JYD Jerome Williams, a uh, big part of those early 2000s uh, Raptors teams. Uh, Three-pointers, again, you know this. It's Daniel Marshall, March 13, 2005. Twelve made threes against Philadelphia. He's always He always comes up when you do like play-index searches about like most threes in a game. And you're like, Daniel Marshall, 12 threes? What the hell? Uh, came off the bench in this game as well. This He had 38 points and 10 rebounds. I think this, this single game got his win shares for 48 up to that. <laughs> level i think this is like an incredible game by like daniel martin who at this point like i don't know it was i guess he was like still okay but like daniel marshall 12 threes 38 points 10 rebounds every daniel marshall has his day (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Terrence Ross, uh, who uh, had a 50-point game we mentioned earlier, hit 10 threes in that 51-point uh, game. And now game score. DeMar DeRozan, January 1st, 2018 against Milwaukee, the 52-point game. Uh, the best game score in Raptors history at 44.1. Uh, number two is Kyle Lowry, who had a 41.6 game score on February 26, 2016 uh, against the Cavaliers, 43 points and nine assists. Uh, number three is Chris Bosh with 41 game score on November 18th, 2008 against Orlando. He had 40 points and 18 rebounds. Uh, then the last one we'll mention here, Vince Carter comes in at four with a 40.5 game score against Milwaukee on November 18th, 2000. He has 48 points and 10 rebounds in that game. So, 
yeah, that's kind of the best games in uh, in Raptors history is in a little bit of the career leaders. Uh, so a little fun stuff there to check out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we we got a few listener questions. I think the the first one I think is is the one we'll take with uh, from Ryan Dempsey. He was nice enough to send um, a, a few, but I will run a little long, so I think we'll just hit this one. Uh, how important was Vince's slam dunk performance for the team and for the city? Um, I, I think it was really important. I, I think it's it's really, I think maybe more than anything else he did in Toronto, it's a thing that people remember. Um, I, I mean, you know, they obviously they they had uh, a couple successful seasons. They, um, you know, they they have the uh, you know Vince has the missed shot people remember and you know, some of the bad vibes that came from the the exit, um, as well as the good memories of his excellent play. But I think that the dunk contest is really the thing that. Um, you know, put him on the map with uh, most people. I think is a thing that you know he's. I think he's always going to be remembered for, and I, I think it uh, it made the team into a cool team. You know, outside of Canada, where before then I don't, or it, it helped in that process. It, it, I think that was a kind of a short term thing when he left. It it wasn't cool, but I think they're on a more permanent path to, if not coolness, at least respectability. Um, now, so. Yeah, no, and and as far as like that dunk contest, I mean, he he's not wrong that like you know the, the importance. You know, he he asked how important it was, and 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 I really, I mean, I became a fan of Vince Carter and the Raptors because of that. Like, I, I remember watching that dunk contest, being like, "Holy crap, this guy's awesome!" I need to know more about this guy and the Raptors. I was still, you know, kind of getting over the the, the loss of Michael Jordan in, in Chicago and the the. the break up the Bulls dynasty or whatever. So there was like a year where I didn't really care about the NBA and I was kind of sulking over it or whatnot. And then Vince Carter comes and, and that dunk contest. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that era too. I mean, there were, I mean, I know Vince Carter was one of the best selling jerseys at the time. He became a superstar largely because of that dunk contest. And it seems kind of silly to people that, that might just be like, Oh, come on, it's a dunk contest, but it really is. It's like a legendary performance of all time. It's a, it, it's the league that is, is really desperate for new stars, getting one that just kind of jumps out on, on all-star weekend and, and just kind of shows himself out. And, and, and yeah, it absolutely was a huge deal. I think for Vince, a huge deal for the Raptors and a huge deal for the city too, because it put, I, I really think put Toronto Raptors on the map, like, and, and it helped that it coincided with the team getting a little bit better as well. But yeah, you know, Vince wins that dunk contest the next year, uh, you know, they're in, in the Eastern conference semifinals you know Vince is kind of the leader of that team I mean there was a period there where it felt like very much like what we talked about now with the Raptors where it was like okay this is a team that's kind of the new fun team in this league like this is a team that can really do some stuff here and and led by you know a star and obviously things didn't quite work out all that way but no I think it's tremendously important and, and I know I'm not alone in terms of that being you know one of the big deals and I know that there is a uh, Netflix I don't know if you ever saw it, Jason I, I remember watching it a few weeks ago uh, kind of getting ready for, for this episode but uh, the Carter effect on Netflix kind of delves into Vince Carter and his impact uh, on that franchise and the city or whatever. If you haven't had a chance, like I, I, I don't even know if I remember when it came out or whatnot. I just remember popping up one day and I'm like, why have I never seen this? Like this is right up my alley, but it's called the Carter effect on Netflix and it's all about Vince Carter uh, and the Toronto Raptors. And, and, and you see again, like from interviews with people and just like, it does a really good job of, of, of encapsulating just how important that dunk contest was for, for the franchise and for Vince. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hopefully everyone uh, enjoyed this episode and uh, you can find us at the step back at fansided.com. Uh, we are also on Twitter and Facebook at over and back NBA and uh, leave us a rating and review on uh, Apple podcasts or Stitcher or uh, wherever you listen to your two podcasts. We are there. And if we're not there, just uh, tell uh, let us know and we'll try to get there. So uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening and we're back again soon.
Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.